Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hinted Neuron Podcast. I'm your host, Kelvin Pascal. Uh, this is my first episode for the year and I'm so excited to start releasing episodes again. I have time now to edit, to record and to produce this podcast again. I took a short break because of so many other things I had to give my attention to. So this week's episode, I'll be talking to Anna Lanier. Anna Lanier is... Um, consultant and she deals with mental health issues and parent-children relationships we talked about things in that area of our expertise mental health parent-children relationship you know social well-being of young adults we talked about some of the current trending uh, topics on social media in the past weeks so i really hope you enjoy the episode and um, if you're new please subscribe and also share my episode Please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, follow and like on Spotify. Just generally spread the word out for this podcast. If you have any questions, comments or concerns, please don't hesitate to reach out to me on Instagram or Twitter at Hinted Neuron. I'll be able to answer your questions there. So here's my conversation with Anna Lenier. I'm here with Anna Lenier. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Kelvin, for inviting me. Yeah, so um, it's, it's nice to have you on the show today, Anna. And um, I like to do this thing where I tell my guests to talk about themselves for a few seconds before we get in. You know, if there's anything you want to share for a few seconds before we start the conversation, here's a chance. Yes, um, I went on a journey in my life from suicidal to what we call today life strategist or... Um, parenting and relationship mentor. So this is what I would like to share. Okay. So um, you talk a lot about parent-child relationships. I was listening to some of your old conversations and you and I was reading your profiles as, as well. You, you talk a lot about parent-child relationship, uh, mastering the game of life and the mental health. So I, I, I'm, I'm willing to talk about some of those things you know, in today's um, conversation. So I, I think I'll start with mental health. And um, I, I want you to give me a bit on what you, people who pay you for, for your service, what do you, what kind of um, information do you give them and um, what kind of training, or I don't know if it's called a training, or what kind of services do you provide for people with mental health issues in Society, do you particularly focus on children or adults or, you know, generally what kind of mental health services you provide? So we have, um, we have two branches in the company. Um, one branch is concentrating on overcoming anxiety and depression. Okay. And those things takes about three to seven months as it is a journey to overcome anxiety and depression. Nevertheless, um, for example, I was uh, in depression for 27 years of my life. So seven months to take of your time to overcome 27 years of pain, it doesn't look like too bad. And the other side of my company, you're right, we are concentrating on preventing all this, right? So um, in December, just last year, I was on stage with um, Julian Michaels, the fitness guru, and Jesse Cole, 
of a millionaire from Savannah Banana and J.T. Fox, who was a millionaire at the age of 24, talking about how these children end up depressed and suicidal, right? So this is why we opened a branch specifically to prevent this. So it will not take seven months later on down the road to doubt yourself, because this is my customers always doubt themselves that they can overcome depression, right? So I have to like take their hand and guide them step by step. It's easier to prevent it. And the way you prevent it is exactly like you mentioned, having amazing family relationships between parents and children. And yes, I'm concentrating more on that because you don't want children suicidal. You don't want children angry. You don't want children depressed. You don't want children with anxiety. I was one of these children and I do not want my child like this. Very simple, right? So this is why I'm concentrating on preventing all these issues before they happen. So you don't have to take almost half an year of your life and then start, you know, fixing it. And it's harder to fix when you learn something wrong. If you have noticed, Kelvin, when you're learning a a, a thing wrong, it's harder to fix. But if you're learning it right from the beginning, you're just like flowing through it. It's easy. Does this make sense, Kelvin? Yeah, sure. Definitely. So. You, you talked about um, um, the part of prevention, you know, pre- like from the very basis, preventing all these issues. So I, I, I'm interested in what you think about what, what might be some of, um, you know, in your own opinion, what are the problems that face contemporary, um, like, you know, young adults of, this, of these days? What do you think that uh, issues that they face that, might be preventable that um, that makes them not jump into or, you know, experience depression at that early age? So all of them are preventable. That's the, the most extraordinary thing that all issues are preventable. When you see kids shy, withdrawn, humiliated, bullied, when you see children angry or anxious or children disobedient, answering back or playing video games Okay, they're trying to tell us, the parents, the teachers, the educator, that there is something that they're missing in life, that there is something that they need more than we give them food, lodging, school, education. That's not what they need. They need to be happy and they don't know how to be happy. Okay, so here is when I come in and I ask parents, what do you think your child wants? Uh, and, but, you know, the parents is answering like, oh, the child wants vacations, wants video game, wants to spend my money, wants to drive me crazy, right? And they don't understand that the children want to be happy. And to be happy in this world, you need to master skills, relationship skills, emotional skills, and mindset skills that the parents don't know how to teach their kids. There is always the idea here is that because I am older, I know best. Because I am older, you need to listen to me. And we don't look at these children that they are the ones who are our mirror. They're the ones who teaching us what we have missed up to adulthood. For example, my first relationship course that I took, it was very, very expensive when I overcame depression years ago was at the age of 38. When I explained the same relationship course to my son, 
He got it in five minutes and he didn't have any relationship problems since the age of nine. It was so simple for him to understand and follow something, but it took me years and two divorces before the age of 38. No wonder I was depressed, right? So this is why I teach parents, the child doesn't want food and lodging and education and housing and stuff like that and to be nice and respectful. And No, the child wants some things that they don't know how to express that they want. And this is where the parent does not understand the child. And here's where the child comes in and says, yeah, mom and dad, you don't understand me because it's true. Because it's absolutely true. So here is, I teach them, depending on which stage they are in their life, there are four stages in life, what do they truly want and how to understand them deep down, what they're thinking, so you can maneuver them through these stages so they will not slip in depression. So they will not have anxiety later on in life. Because between the ages, like around puberty, between the ages of 6 and 25, approximately, there is a pattern that solidifies in the head of your child. If they saw a life full of suffering, they believe life is suffering. If they saw a life of happiness, they believe life is happiness and they have all opportunities. If they see that life is suffering, there is no potential for them. They become suicidal. They become working, you know, uh, dead-end jobs. There is no potential for them. They can't get out of that cycle because it's solidified in their head, but it's impossible. So that's why we need to prevent all of this by changing the cycles before the age of 25. If not, we still have programs to get the people out of depression after that. It's just harder a little bit because they don't trust themselves anymore. At that time, after the age of 26, you failed so many times that you don't even know how success looks like. Yeah, you know so what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah there, there are three things like I've gotten from what you said now. And then one is that um, children's pick up pattern from what they saw and probably replicate it in their own life. And uh, I think one question... I would want to ask is because but when you talked about parents not understanding children, would you, can you attribute that to the generation gap between probably the parents and the child? There's a communication style which the parents might not understand that the child needs and um, the parents can't cater for the, the emotional needs of that child because of that generational gap. So we think it's a generational gap. If you look at them as our teachers, what we missed in our generation, there is no generational gap. They're actually here to embarrass us as parents first. So there are four types of men and four types of women in the world. And the first thing that I identify with my clients, who is your child? Which type of men or women? Because there are only four. And who are you? Which type of men or women? Because there are only four. And depending on this kind of dynamic, yes, you can switch them in different way and understand them differently. But this is the main thing, like the fundamentals things that I teach. There are four types of men and women in the world. Each one has different values. If I put my values onto my child, okay, 
he is flipping. For example, I am coming from a family of educated people. I finished by the age of 22, two universities in the same time. My mother was a famous teacher. And my son looks at me and says, why did you go to school for? You were still depressed. So my standard at that time, because that was the times that they were 40, 60 years ago, you get out of poverty through education. Now, if you are here in the United States, I know you're not here in the United States, you're in Nigeria, but if you're here in the United States, you get into poverty through education because the college degree is like $300,000 and you have to borrow yeah. money to go to college. So things have changed in generations, okay? And when I'm looking at him, I said, yeah, you're right. My mentor is at the age of 24, he made his first $1 million and he didn't go to university. And he's younger than me. Yeah, you're right, too. Doesn't mean education is not important. It matters that my standard that I'm holding on for over 60 years ago, because it was my mom's standard, is not the same standard as today. And I need to be open-minded, not to push the child into an education that he doesn't want. And he probably doesn't even need because he is an idea that wants to build businesses and things like that, right? So here is like we need to take a deep look of who we are, who the child is, and what is their drive in life. Not to follow what we were not able to do in life and try to push them. They're not an extension of us. They're a different yes, person. yes. Yes, I, I understand that because it's something I've been thinking about recently. This idea of templates that we carry the templates that we know and we try to put it on others, especially um, parents. They try to put their own templates of life on their children. So they probably don't want to, um, they, they probably take their belief systems, what they are thinking, the way they think, their thought process. They try to pass it down to their children. I think that causes a lot of conflict between um, parents and children. I, I don't know what you think about that. Yeah. And, you know, here is when you, as a parent, you sit down and you listen. Okay. Why do you think it's this way? And if they're right, tell them, oh, you're right. I didn't know that. You know, your point is a valid point. I went to all these schools and I was still depressed. But doesn't mean that school equals depression. Okay? It doesn't mean because it was the connection in his mind. School is important too. This is why. Okay? But I don't want to go to all kinds of colleges. Okay, I understand that. Let's, let's work on other ways to do things. Right? But here is... He's only 14. He has time to change his mind anyway. Um, but here is... When as a parent, you think you know better. And sometimes, guess what? You don't. I go to my child. We, we started to have life events here in Chicago about parenting teenagers. And I go to my child and I ask him, what did I do wrong today? How would I improve myself? Because you were there in the audience. You saw how people were reacting. You saw me, how I was reacting when I was challenged by a question. How do you think I should have done better? And sometimes it comes with a great idea. Sometimes it comes with a stupid one. They said, okay, I'll take the great ideas. I'll leave the stupid ones. Okay. But I am asking. I am asking. I used to ask him, how could I be a better parent? And he said, mommy, when you're coming angry uh, for one reason or another, don't put that anger on me. It has nothing to do with me. Okay. I asked him. I said, you're right. 
And now I told him every time when I am angry and I'm angry, you know, on something else and I put it on you, please just bring attention to me. And he comes and brings attention. Mommy, you're too agitated, too nervous, and you're going to get on me again by mistake. I said, no, 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 I won't. No, I won't. No, I won't. I'll calm myself down. Okay. So they can be your accountability partners because everybody has all kinds of problems they need to deal with in life. And yes, not all the time you're going to stay in a state of meditation and calm and all this. I don't. Okay. Sorry. Okay. So, you know, take your child as an accountability partner. Ask your child, how could I be a better parent? I asked, one of my clients asked his child, how could I be a better parent? And the child said, you should have divorced mom. And he asked why? Because she has a boyfriend for over two years. Yeah. So. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? I mean, some stuff, a question, ask. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I understand because, um, you know, in, in this part of the world where I come from, or, you know, I, I think it might be a general thing as well. We don't um, take children's opinions as valid. We, we tell them to shut up. Like they don't know too much that we can't listen to what they have to say, probably because they are little. And I understand that. And I, I think what you're trying to do is valid because is um, is a system that doesn't um, just keep kids aside. You, I, I like the fact that you're trying to hear their opinions. You're trying to hear them out and um, listen to what they are thinking as well. And that is very so, important to know how they're thinking, Kelvin, because yes. this is the truth. When you think that, oh, they got it and they're not noisy and they're not angry and they're not anxious, then they become suicidal and you don't know how they're thinking. Okay. So it's very, very important. I always say to people, better angry at you than withdrawn and not speaking because you don't know how they're thinking. You don't have a clue. Yeah. But there are some things, you know, when, how should I say, we are partners in life for 18 years of our life minimum as parent and child. And I see a lot of families who are partners forever. It always visits the child. It always visits the parents, right? So, yes, the first few years, let's say the first seven years, you are a parent and they're a child. Then you don't have to become friends with them. I don't agree with the idea that we're best friends and we're buddies and all, all that. No, we're still parent and child. But take it as a partnership in life where they can learn from you and you can learn from them. Right. And if you take it this way, you open a lot more to see how they're thinking, what they want, what kind of person they are. They they might not be like you. They might not be like the other parent. They might be totally different. They might want totally different things. And guess what? Guess what? They might be more successful than you in life because they want different things. Right. So here is not to just shove it down and say, no, you have to do like this and you have to do like that. No, listen, all your point is valid. Your point is valid. Okay. We, you know, let's start with these steps. You're right. Okay. You don't want to go to school. You're still going to have to go to school, but you can also open a business. Think about that. You can do both in the same time. It's not a big deal. You can think of this and you can think of that. But the first thing, The first thing, if you want your child to succeed in life, is to show him that 
Your relationship with him is not constrained, stranded, based on punishment, because this is what they are going to take for their children in the next generation. And then the gap becomes bigger and bigger. It's always been a generational gap, but it's always been because we parents never listen to the children at certain age. We don't listen to the children, not even when the child is 50 and we're 70. Okay, we're still not listening. We're still in that mode that, no, I know better. Mom, you were poor all your life. I'm successful. How do you know better? (laughs) Right? I mean, come on, right? I mean, seriously now, I have have customers like that. How can she tell me she knows better? She's been always poor. I'm giving her money at this age and she, she still thinks she knows better about my business. Really? Okay, things like this, that this is how we were trained. I call it, our chaos from childhood, childhood automated operating system, chaos, okay? When we were brought up like this with blame, shame, guilt, it's always somebody else to blame. It's always somebody else's guilt. You should be ashamed of this, that. And they don't want this, if you want to call it this anchor, this weight on their shoulders. I don't care who I blame. I don't care who is guilty. I don't want to be ashamed of anything. I want to thrive. I want to find my true potential. I want to find my identity, my purpose in life. Okay. I don't want to play this game of chaos. It doesn't suit me. I have all the world in front of me. I have an idea. I have to apply it to see if the idea works. Not somebody to tell me, no, your idea is really bad. I will find out if it's really bad when I implement it. Right. So I had four mentors that got me out of depression. And today I am solidifying all those four teachings in my own programs. But because of COVID and so many people needed me, I did it online. So I have courses online. Everybody says, no, you can't get people out of depression online. I'm like, damn, I took 850 people only last year online out of depression. Anything is possible if you implement it, if you work for it, right? The old-fashioned therapy forever, it doesn't work anymore. It didn't solve a problem. We're 7 billion people on this planet. If we talk to each other, we're still depressed, okay? So these kind of things that everybody told me, no, it's not a good idea. Just wait until COVID is over. Like, in the meantime, people kill themselves. I cannot wait, okay? It's nothing that I can wait. Right. So, you know, one idea can bring you really, really far. And people said, how do you get 850 people out of depression one year? Simple. It's an online course. You just click it. (laughs) Doesn't need my attention. Okay. when you don't understand something, ask a question and my team will answer or I will answer later on. And my team doesn't know how. Very simple. Okay. it's simple. Just follow directions. Click and then click next and then click next. Okay, these kind of things, how should I say, we had to come up with these ideas because of what happened in COVID, you know, but before, two years before, if I would have ever done this, everybody would have said that it's not possible, right? Anything is possible. One idea can change the world. One idea you have, for example, Kelvin, of having this podcast and Uh, spreading the word that overcoming depression and anxiety is possible and people don't have to die from it and kill themselves. You 
can't even imagine how many people you probably already saved by 22 minutes into the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, you, you talk about depression and there's something you mentioned earlier about trust, because since you are still on the topic of depression and trust, so I, you know, I've been of this opinion that, um, you know, for people who are not depressed, they are probably resilient people. They probably who can easily bounce back from whatever they are facing. So do you think that idea, just like you said, of building trust in yourself, you know, trusting in yourself that you can overcome what you're facing is a necessary tool to overcome depression? So there are three types of people in depression. Okay. Um, we like to work uh, to um, talk about the ones that are suicidal and super depressed. We call those the prisoners of depression. And then there are the warriors of depression, the ones that ignore their personal hurt and they keep going in life. And those have children with problems. They don't realize that the child comes here into this world to tell you, mom, dad, you haven't solved this problem and that problems and that problems. You covered it up and you kept moving in life, but you haven't solved it. Okay. So I know exactly that the parents that are listening to these kind of conversations are parents with um, children with problems. Those are warriors. Okay. They ignored some things because they didn't know to fix your emotional wounding. You don't know to fix emotional wounding and pain and hurt. So they ignored it. Right. And then there are the magicians chained by depression who are, did a lot of personal development. They did a lot of things, but they didn't do it in an organized thing. And they can't really, um, it's like they were so close to finding their purpose in life and their potential, but they just can't bridge that particular, um, that particular line. So yeah, there are three types of people in depression. And usually, usually the warriors are the parents, are the parents who you call resilient. But the truth is that they shoved down their pain so deep down in their heart, they don't even want to admit that they were ever hurt. And their children come back as the prisoners of depression, okay, out there to tell them, mom, dad, you haven't solved some issues. Now these issues are on top of me. I am the mirror of who you were when you were young. You need to solve these issues and help me solve them too. So this is why it's very, how should I say, it's, it's amazing how the universe works. It doesn't let us off the hook. It never does. We think we can bypass pain and ignore it. And, you know, um, things like uh, injustice, like uh, rejection, like abandonment, like betrayal. It's like, oh, we're just going to move on through life. We don't have a choice. Yes, we do. We do have a choice to heal these things. And this is why these children have no more patience today. My youngest customer is six years old. It was six years old because we got him out of depression in three months. Um, and he had no more patience, no more patience to with the anger and the anxiety. And what is he supposed to do? Zero patience. And he kept talking about he wants to die. He wants to die. He wants to die. Right. It's an accelerated generation that wants things solved done, over with, right now, give me the keys how to master life. I don't want to be in divorce for 10 years. I don't want to be hurt. I don't want to be heartbroken. I don't want, you know, bad things to happen to me. Just give me the keys. And the parent is like, I don't know the keys. I just went resilient through life and I kept on going. I don't know how to help you. And this is the reason why we have 
a lot of courses and resources even for free on my website to give people the choice to see how to approach this in a different perspective, Kelvin. Yeah. So I, I'm interested in um, hearing, because you, you're talking about patients that, um, that got out of depression. So I want to know if maybe there are people who got out of depression, they sh- maybe they showed good signs of, you know, of being, of being happy again and living a full life again, and then they got back into depression again. And they just, you know, wind around that circle. I, I don't know if you've seen cases like that. Yes, I have seen cases like that. And this is exactly why we have an entire formula where I, I was like that. I got out of depression when I was like 30 years old. And then I got back in and it was worse than things like that. That's why I give people exactly the formula on my website. That is a specific course. It's a free course called The Secret Map to Overcome Depression. And that has, it's like an hour or so of little videos. And that has the exact formula, exactly for what you mentioned. So you won't slip back in. Because this is the truth. I was looking for a diet and exercise and stuff like that. Well, that doesn't save you from depression. Depression is deep, heavy, and unresolved emotional wounding. There are five emotional wounds. Rejection, abandonment, humiliation, betrayal, and injustice, okay? Uh, Diet and exercise is not going to save you from those, right? And then everybody says, oh, think positive and meditation and clear your mind. Well, you can't think positive when you have been hurt, when you have been abandoned by a parent, when you have been abandoned by your spouse, when you have been betrayed, when maybe rape happened to you. You can't really think positive. I mean, that's really stupid if you think about it, right? So until you don't heal those wounds, yes, you're just fixing symptoms. And this is exactly why people slip back into depression. That's why we give them the exact map and the exact map is for free on my website. You don't have to pay anything for it. Okay. Okay. Absolutely anything. It's for free out there. It's a free map of how to overcome depression. You follow the steps. If you can follow it by yourself or with somebody to help you. Okay. You're out forever. But if you skip steps, It's like trying to build the second floor of a house with no foundation. It doesn't work. Sooner or later, the house will collapse. So um, I hope they will check that out and, you know, guide them. So there's something I'm interested in talking about before we, you know, before we go into another part of the conversation. There's there's a real-life issue that happened probably last week or last two weeks. It's about children and um, abuse and mental health. So there are a bunch of kids that got, they had to go to an excursion trip. The school took them on an excursion trip. So in that trip, they got to find that they're like 13, 10, 11. They got to find out that these kids were having sex, one girl and one boy. So, you know, somehow, somehow the videos of this sexual stuff found itself online. So the video with the boy, the boy was like 13 and the girl was like 11 or 13. I think people were talking about it. It found itself online. So it was like a very hot topic of discussion last week. So people were suggesting that the girl and the guy need to go for therapy. They were just kids, by the way, that they need to go for therapy, that they might get so much um, 
trauma from that event. So I, I wanted to see, I wanted to know what you might think about that. Do you think that is a traumatic event or those were just kids, you know, exploring themselves? Yeah, so you you said you you send a kid to therapy after that, but nobody ever bothered to explain to them uh, things about life and sexual life, because this is the truth of the first ejaculation that the child has uh, as a boy is at the age of eleven. Okay, and the girl when she has her period already, which probably that eleven year old already goes, so you have to have a sexual education with them already. Okay, so probably they didn't have a sexual education before, number one. Number two, you'll be surprised if kids do what they see. So this is what they saw in their household or friends or cousins or things like that. For them, it's normal to repeat it and don't look at their age. Right. So these kind of things, traumatic or not traumatic at at this point, how should I say you need to prevent this is the whole point of this. Instead of fixing the broken, it's better to prevent them. And yes, there is a specific fire element. Um, we work with the four elements, water, fire, air, and earth. And the fire element is the sexual element. And you know something? You'll be surprised how that fire element gives us the drive to live in life. Okay? But it's also our sexual element, right? So instead of using it as a sexual element, you can easily use that that drive to live and explain the child that, okay, put time in education, put time in finding out who you are, put time in finding out who do you want to be, right? But if you don't give them directions, if you don't, you know, you just let them loose to do whatever, right? And you don't have these discussions beforehand, no wonder these incidents happen, right? But don't forget, don't forget, Kelvin, but children will do what they see, not what you say. But children follow your example, not your lecturing. So I would go way deeper to see how did they see this as a, as a choice in their life? Because it's not them who should go to therapy first. Mm, yeah, that, that's an interesting point of view. I, I, it's interesting because um, when I was like, you know, checking some of the conversations on this topic last week, nobody actually said that. Yeah, that's an interesting point of view. Thank you very much for that. So I, I usually have um, two important questions I ask on this podcast for all my guests. The first one is if you have a mic now, or if you have a platform that you could speak to every single person in the world, what would you say to them? I would say that anybody can overcome anxiety and depression and everybody can even prevent it. Okay. It is possible. We have a tremendous amount of free resources. One of our courses we have is ending young adult depression. It is a free resource we have on our website. We want to spread the word that this is possible it is very very possible but it's not possible by ignoring things and shoving it down and just you know uh thinking that oh i'm gonna be fine i'm just gonna move on no it 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 is possible by understanding that they're coming up all the time over and over again and you know exactly how to do to heal them and if you don't know how to heal them here are these kids that having it and they having it worse than we did 
So here is everything is possible in the world. You just have to find the right guidance and you just have to be willing to make the steps necessary, you know, to do it, not to quit on yourself, because this is what you're doing in anxiety and depression. A lot of times you're quitting on yourself. Yeah. Thank you very much. So my last question would be, what is the meaning of life? The meaning of life is to grow and expand, not to suffer. This is why our motto is master the game of life, because many people master the game of suffering. So growth and expansion, this is what these children want. This is what the universe wants. This is why we as a parent want for them. And it's amazing how much you can grow and expand out of depression. I have to tell you, be honest with you, Kelvin, I have accomplished more in just a few years than my family has accomplished in three generations of educated people just by overcoming depression. That's type of growth and expansion. It's like you are free to fly and to find your purpose in life and accomplishing it. So yes, it, it's, it's amazing. It's growth and expansion. That's the meaning of life. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for your input there. So, um, I, I want you to talk about places where people can reach you because my people might be interested in reaching out to you, your social media, your websites, you know, just say anything you want to say about yourself and where people can reach you. Yes. Yeah, so our main website is of course, www.analinear.com spelled A-N-A-L-E-N-N-Y-R.com. Nevertheless, most people cannot spell my name. So we have a backup website called Better Ask Anna with one N.com. Uh, so Better Ask Anna with one N.com. We have free resources, free questions you can ask, free courses, free workshops. Everything there on both websites is for free. So nobody will have one excuse, one excuse to not overcome anxiety and depression, or to not have a great relationship with their child. So uh, better ask Anna with one end.com would be the best place to go. Yeah. Thank you very much, Anna. It's a really nice conversation with you. I, there were some insightful moments in this conversation and, you know, I learned a lot and I hope that people who listen might learn anything or two from some of your input. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Kelvin, for inviting me. You're changing the world with these podcasts. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the end. Don't forget to subscribe and share. Also reach out to me on Instagram or Twitter at Hinted Neuron if you have any questions, comments or concerns. That's it for me this week and until then, stay curious. Mm-hmm.